Welcome to the Marketing Strategy Talks podcast, where we interview some of the best marketers from around the world and uncover their strategies for rapid growth. I'm your host and founder of MarketingStrategy.com, Ian Luck. Hello, all you marketers out there. My name is Ian, and you're listening to another Marketing Strategy Talk. And recently, I had the absolute pleasure to sit down with Dylan Hay. He's the founder of Hey Digital, a paid marketing agency who are absolutely crushing it on LinkedIn right now. Seriously, go check out Dylan's profile. He's dropping serious PPC knowledge on the daily with video snippets, live streams. I honestly don't know when the guy sleeps. And I am super, super excited about this one because Dylan goes deep into paid strategies. I'm talking dream team deep. I'm talking Mariana Trench deep. I'm talking bottom of that peanut butter jar deep. In this marketing strategy talk, Dylan gives away some of his top Facebook, LinkedIn, and Google paid strategies that are driving real results for his clients. We talk about optimizing ad creative, proper ad structure, playbooks to drive crazy cheap demo requests, what you shouldn't do on LinkedIn, and why Facebook is still the best platform to drive scalable growth for your B2B SaaS company. Dylan covers it all, but maybe more importantly, he gives you actionable strategies you can try out immediately in your paid marketing efforts. So get your pen and paper ready and let's dive right in. Don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn. Visit us at marketingstrategy.com where you'll find the most effective strategies for rapid growth for marketers by marketers. Till next time. Dylan, thanks so much for joining me on another uh, Marketing Strategy Talk. No problem, Ian. Looking forward to, uh, to chatting with you today. Yeah, definitely. So you have a very unique experience. You work with a bunch of different SaaS companies uh, across the globe at your agency, Hey Digital. Um, and over the years, I'm sure you've compiled like this massive war chest of experience through testing and trying different strategies and tactics. And I, honestly, I was just hoping we could get you on this thing and share some of like your maybe your top five paid strategies for B2B SaaS companies you're seeing at the moment. Yeah, for sure. So I'm looking forward to, to jumping into this. As you said, like at hey Digital, we manage paid ads, PPC campaigns for SaaS companies. Specifically, I've been doing this for a couple of years now. And like mm-hmm. previous to that, I was working in SaaS businesses myself within like marketing, growth, sales before then too. Um, so hopefully what I'll be able to share today is some like some useful information to people who are listening to this, if they're thinking about starting ads for their business or if they're running them and they have some question marks about them. I know that in the kind of pre, pre-interview pre that you and I were just chatting about, one of those areas where um, I would like to kind of dive deeper into with you today, specifically is around Facebook and paid social as well. Yes. I, know, I know like within the B2B world, within the SaaS world, so many people are scared of Facebook. They ask questions like, hey, am I my target buyer? Are they hanging out on Facebook? Will I find <laughs> are they even gonna click through on ads that they see on Facebook? Like, is it gonna put them off because we're a B2B business and like we shouldn't be advertising there? Mm-hmm. And we're seeing right now and have done for like we have seen from the very beginning success on paid social with pretty much all of our clients. Um, but right now over the last three to six months, we've really been doubling down our kind of approach and strategies there and seeing some really good wins. So I would love to, um, I would love to jump into, into that first, if that's okay with you. So I'm so excited about this because 
I can't tell you how many times I've had this conversation at multiple companies I've worked for, uh, even at Customer Gauge, my current company. It's a difficult thing for, I think, not only executives, but everybody to wrap their head around that these B2B SaaS leaders could be on Facebook. They have a profile that could be active. They could click on an ad. It's just, it's so hard for people to wrap their heads around Facebook being the best platform for B2B SaaS. And I, I, I'm so excited you brought that up. So let's just kick it off. So clear it all up. Like if you're talking to a CFO, you're talking to a CEO and you're saying, Hey, we should run Facebook marketing right now to generate leads and business for our B2B SaaS company. What should they start with? What should they focus on? Yeah, really great question. So the first thing I always recommend is like starting with the very basics, right? So anyone that you listen to on a podcast that knows anything about marketing or paid advertising, they will give this advice. So I'm not going to like go too deep on this part, but everyone should at the very minimum, no matter what kind of company you are and what you're trying to achieve, you should have your remarketing campaigns set up. This is like the, just the, the standard. You shouldn't not have anything running from right. a remarketing perspective especially within b2b and SaaS, where you and i like both know the the buying experience and the customer journey especially if you're a product with let's say like a three to nine maybe even 12 month sales cycle in some cases where there's demos involved multiple sales people involved like you can use facebook and paid social as an opportunity to stay top of mind with your prospects for a very low cost so that's one thing and then also capitalizing on those like high intent audiences too for, okay, maybe someone came onto your demo booking page. They didn't complete their demo booking. Like it's very, it makes a ton of sense to, to be serving an ad to them to like make sure they go ahead with that demo booking. So this is the first thing. Um, but then what we start to look at with all of our clients is we kind of have this like this three pronged approach, I guess. So the first thing is remarketing. And then the second thing is um, going with, depending on the budgets that we have as well, and the kind of um, the target audience and the sales cycle for the customers that we work with. Mm -hmm. like if you're a SaaS business where you have a self-service model, like trial sign up, 14 day trial, they can sign up, don't need to get on a call with anyone. One thing that we'll be looking at immediately is um, going, going straight for conversion focused ads to cold audiences. And it's kind of funny because most people would say like, Hey, you need to warm people up with content. You need to do this. You need to do that. And we'll talk about that in a moment, but we see a lot of quick wins often for clients with as long as they have good data points for those cold audiences. So for example, we're talking about building lookalike audiences off of your customer lists, but more importantly, your like highest value customers. So if you've been running for a while, you have this data within your CRM system, segmenting your customers by highest LTV or highest like payment plans. If you don't have enough data to do that, then just segmenting by like paying customers is, is also an okay starting point. But if you have, if you have these kind of data points, and you're not a completely new business. We'll always start to look running uh, campaigns with a cold audience, which is that lookalike audience trying to get them to sign up for your platform. Um, and I'll talk in a minute about the kind of creative approach to how we do that in a second. But just setting up those audiences with those lookalikes of customer lists or lookalikes of people who completed a demo booking, for example, or people who completed a sign up within the last seven, 14 days. Like you can do some testing there. Right. And then running those, like it sounds like maybe it shouldn't work out and you should be warming these people up. But because Facebook is getting so intelligent now, like they're 
their um, algorithms are working so well at serving ads to the right people as long as you feed their platform with best quality data. So if you were to just create an audience targeting someone who's never heard of you before and trying to get them to sign up for your platform and you're just using job title targeting or interest-based targeting, to be honest, like you might be able to get it to work, but the costs are probably going to be pretty high. Mm -hmm. These lookalike audiences we're seeing like low costs immediately. So that would be like one thing that we look at. And we also see that working for um, companies who have a demo booking focus as well. So for example, there's one client we're working with right now. We are just about a month into our relationship with them. For them, they have no self-service. Everything is focused on demos being booked. They have like a nine to 12 month sales cycle with a minimum deal size of $70,000 or euros a year. Mm -hmm. And them right now, there's a campaign that we're running, which is a cold audience. It's one of those audiences that I mentioned. It's actually, um, it's actually targeting lookalikes of people who booked a demo over the last 30 days, I believe. Nice. And we're, we're driving demo bookings for 36 euros for them at the moment. And like wow. that's been like three to four weeks of first launching a campaign. So um, there's a lot of work that we can be doing there too. That's so, cheap. Yeah. So that's like one thing that I would definitely be looking at as long as you actually have data points. Like if you have a couple hundred website visitors a month and you don't have a list of like a long list of customers or you haven't been running for a few years, then that approach won't work out for you. It's all centered around feeding Facebook with the highest quality data that we possibly can. And then what we're doing is, um, for anyone listening to this, they should go to Google and they should search for Facebook Power 5 methodology. So this is something that Facebook share at their like B2B events and other mm -hmm. events doing as well. There's a webinar about it on their website, lots of useful information. Um, I won't cover it too much, but essentially it's Facebook telling you how to see the best results from their advertising platform. And a lot of it is centered around the first piece, which I mentioned, which is those high quality audiences feeding the platform with the best data possible. And then one of the second elements is letting Facebook make a lot of these decisions for you. So anyone who was running ads, even us like a year ago, I would say give as little control to Facebook as possible. Like you want to be manual about everything. You want to be creating hundreds of different variants of ads. You want to be creating all of your own ad sets, managing the budgets for each ad and each ad set manually. But over the last six to nine months, it's been like a complete flip on that. Now we're going with a real simple account structure and letting Facebook do the optimization for us. And this is what's working really, really well. So in our ads account, the only campaigns that we'll have set up will be the remarketing campaigns in one campaign, will be the prospecting campaigns in one campaign, and then will be the content campaigns in one campaign. And then within those, we'll have a couple of different ad sets, which will usually be the audiences that we're testing. Of course. Yep. Within those, we'll have the various ads. We've experimented with letting Facebook um, testing specific ads through their, um, through their own ad testing, and we've experimented with us being manual about ads, and we're seeing fairly similar results with both. But the point that I wanted to make is like, letting Facebook take the control, having a very simple account structure and having the budget set on the campaign level. Um, this is something that I think is now mandatory. I'm not too sure. They've been trying to roll that out for a while. Um, but we see the best results when we set the budget on the campaign level and when we let Facebook lead in terms of making those decisions. So what it will do then is Facebook will see over time when you're running, which ad sets are performing best, which, um, which creatives are performing best and it will assign the budget itself based on what's performing. Whereas what we would do in the past would 
we would be making those decisions, right? right. right. Maybe trust Facebook too much, but over the last six, nine months, like they've done an awesome job at that. And when we first started testing this really pulled back, simplified account structure, um, we were really surprised at the results that came through. So that would be one thing. If, if you're a CMO right now or a marketing leader and you go into your Facebook ads account and you have like hundreds of campaigns and hundreds of ad sets, you really want to strip that back and simplify it as much as you can and go and check out that power five methodology. So that's, that's like one kind of strategic um, or structural thing that I would recommend. Um, but I want to talk about those three campaigns. So we've talked about the like no demo or straight for sign up we've talked about the remarketing the only thing that you really need to be testing with remarketing is different remarketing audiences and then of course your creative so we'll usually test like remarketing to the entire website traffic but of course removing any previous converters current customers stuff like that but then we'll be testing things like um, high intent pages so and visited the demo page didn't convert visited the trial page didn't convert and um, we'll be testing We'll be testing timeframes as well. So last seven days versus last 30 versus mm -hmm. last three, depending on website traffic. Mm -hmm. And that will have you covered for, for remarketing. And then the other campaigns that we start to look at are content-led campaigns. So this is where if you have like a little bit more of a budget, we introduce content as well. If you're just spending like a couple of grand a month on ads, just set up remarketing. And if you have data, just set up the like straight for sign-up campaigns. Yeah. Um, if you don't have the data, then set up the remarketing and these content campaigns that I'm going to talk about. But if you have like more than $5,000 a month in budget, you should be doing all three of these. Mm -hmm. So what we do with content is as long as you have good quality blog posts that are going out or ideally um, high quality videos, like informative, fun, educational videos. And um, my team, we create a lot of these for our clients. So there'll be things like, let's say they have a podcast, they have webinars, we'll be creating clips of those putting them into a high paced video and we'll start using this just promoting these pieces of content promoting blog posts with no conversion objective just with the objective of getting people to either watch the videos or visit the blog post on the website and we'll be using these to build out remarketing audiences for those remarketing campaigns but we'll also be using them just to educate people and get more people through to the site which then increases performance of our remarketing campaigns but more importantly helps with that element of like top of funnel marketing for SaaS and B2B. Sure. And you'll, see, you'll see really low cost, uh, like link clicks on blog campaigns, for example. And what we see with a lot of our clients where we have volume of videos, we'll actually just run multiple different videos of theirs and build audiences off of people who have watched, let's say 50% or more of some of these videos. And those will be really high converting audiences within remarketing, focusing on demo booking or trial signup. So those is like the three kind of campaigns that we look at, content, remarketing, and what we call prospecting, like straight for signup, straight for demo. Now, what I wanted to talk about that's super practical is that from a, from a Facebook and a paid social perspective, one thing that really is important to drive good results, like you talked about, I think it was before we started recording, but you talked about how you're, you believe and you've seen Facebook being one of the lower cost, like lead generators. For, for, for sure. Right? Yeah. And um, we see it with all of our clients who are running on Facebook, like the cost per lead is always significantly less than Google search or, or LinkedIn. And so there's, there's so much opportunity there to be like, maximizing this now where people struggle is on the creative side of things so 
the, I think the reason people are a bit scared about Facebook and that it's easier for them to go to Google is like managing Google ads is hard, but it's not as necessarily as time intensive from a team perspective as Facebook. Cause it's right. like you do the keyword research, you write your ad copy, you're making constant changes. But with Facebook, it's a visual platform, Facebook and Instagram, even LinkedIn to their visual platforms. And when people are on those platforms, if you think running a three minute explainer video as an ad on Facebook is going to work, then that's why you haven't seen success. <laughs> on Facebook. Or if you think like just putting a picture up of a, the cover of your ebook and like nothing else. And the cover is like the most corporate boring looking thing in the world. Like, that's why you're not seeing results with Facebook. So what we really lean into is I always, when it comes to social advertising, I'm always looking at what e-commerce businesses are doing. And the reason I do that is because e-commerce businesses are fueled off the back of ads and people in e-commerce, they make decisions off the back of ads. They make purchases off the back of ads. You see an ad for like a tripod like this. If you really like it and you want it, you're going to buy it immediately. Mm -hmm. Obviously, sales process is different within SaaS, but the way that they advertise we know that it works on social because that's where the businesses are built. So we, right. we think, okay, how can we take what they're doing and replicate that across our SaaS clients? And the way that we do that is through the creative. So we have an amazing creative like digital designer on our team called Arada, and she comes from an e-commerce background as well. And we're producing for all of our SaaS clients, we're producing those video ads that are like really high paced and um, the, the length doesn't necessarily matter too much, but like we'll produce video ads that are between maybe six and like 18 to 20 seconds at a maximum for our like top of funnel and our prospecting campaigns. And then we're also producing videos that we actually call them GIFs internally. Technically they're videos, but they're like three seconds long, four right. seconds. And I'll talk about the strategy with those in a moment and where those work best, but we're doing that and we're doing this at volume. So we're switching out creative with our clients Honestly, like every, every two weeks, sometimes even more frequently, sometimes we're introducing more. Of course, if things are working well, then we're going to leave them, but we're going to take what's working well and try and introduce more because Facebook doesn't like to serve the same thing to people too many times. Like performance will stagnate. And I think that's where people are seeing challenges as well. Now, I know not everybody has the resource to be pumping out creative at this volume or even doing good quality creative because there, there are, you may have a designer on your team, but no disrespect to them. They probably haven't designed for ads before. There's a difference between designing ads and designing like uh, an ebook or a uh, blog cover, something like that. And so my recommendations would be if you can like hire a team to support you with that. Some people don't want to do that and they can't. So the next best thing is like, I really do think it makes sense to either like start training your designer or getting them spending time Focusing purely on design for advertising is one thing, or you can go onto numerous like freelancing platforms or websites and try and sift through the design talent there and find someone that's really good. But if you can find someone that has like motion design skills as well to create these videos and GIFs, that would be really, really helpful. So you, yeah, go ahead. Go on. Let's just, let's just talk about this real quick because that's a really real, I mean, you made a lot of really good points, but I think designing for ads is a very different, approach than designing for exactly what you said other content so internally at my company we've uh, obviously tested over 20 or 30 creatives uh, on a single ad set um, and it's funny because our designer 
and, it, and it's difficult, right? Because they tend to design things in a certain way. They have a style, which you kind of have to ask them to break. You have to say, all right, these three look too similar, do it completely different and like change uh, the, the gradients. Do, don't use gradients, try black and white, try, I mean, and it's funny because we, we, as I mentioned, we tested a good amount of creative and I'm curious to see your uh, feedback on this as well. But some of our best performing content was uh, not super designed out. So it's simple. It's, it's kind of like a um, pattern interrupt, at least on our end. I don't know what uh, your thoughts are on this, but it was like a, it was like a white background with like a very colorful ebook, something super simple with a very simple title. Um, and that's what's driven our CPL from like 200 bucks initially down to like, I think a 20 or 30 range. Uh, so what's working for you guys? Yeah, that's a really good point. So I wanted to jump in there because like, um, one of the things I would say is there are so many articles online about best practice for ad design, mm -hmm. like never read those. Like there, no one, no one really knows when someone gets into a best practice conversation with me, I, I hate it because best practice is just guessing or if someone's yeah doing something it's usually stopped working like three months ago kind of thing so yeah. don't use those i know that's tough but the point that you said around pattern interrupt so that's the key now with us like of course we we want our design to be like high quality the most important thing is on brand for our clients as well because like if they're working with an external provider that's also really important but the absolute key is those pattern interrupts like you said the way that we do that is with these like really engaging, fast moving videos with these gifts that I'll talk about in a second. Or one point that you touched on, you said one of your best performing creatives was like a white background with a really vibrant ebook, for example. So this is, this is a really fascinating point. There's a client that we're working with right now. And um, they asked us when we were designing ads and when we were sharing with them, like these were the variants that we want to test. Mm -hmm. There were some that had a white background and they said, Hey, look, based on, the Facebook best practice that I've read. I don't think it makes sense to run these ads with a white background because they'll blend yeah. into the newsfeed, et cetera. Um, we had a really tough time like pushing back on that, but we did yeah. push back on that. And then like literally 30 days later, surprise, surprise, the top performing ad of the month was the one with the white background. Yeah. <laughs> the reason that was is because the creative itself was really like vibrant and, right. and standing out. So I know it's really challenging with design to like, especially to give feedback like by audio like this as well but i would say that um you have to to figure out what works you have to be testing a lot of things and also a lot of the time what you expect to work that's right isn't the thing that works out so that's it yeah, yeah. what you expect to work generally doesn't work and you need to trust facebook to tell you what's working and i think that is again worth repeating because it's it's such a uh it's it's a approach um that i think guys like you at hey digital have that most marketers maybe think you know what this works on this other channel it should just translate to facebook or linkedin it's just not the case like you gotta let the data guide your your decision making right and to give some really practical examples too so a few examples of creative that we're seeing work really well right now i'll try and explain the best i can like um, sure. over the air but like so there's one thing that has been working really well for us from a remarketing, like a retargeting perspective. So the thing that's really cool to think about also with Facebook and creative is at what point is this person seeing your ad within their journey? So like 
if they're seeing it from a remarketing perspective, they've been on the website, the creative you want to show them and the ad copy has to be different to someone that's never heard of you and the brand before. Some people forget about that sometimes. But what we see work really well right now on remarketing is what we'll do is we create these, like we call them GIFs, these short four or five second, like repeating videos. And they are like, it will be focused on one specific feature or one specific um, like use case of the product. Okay. So for example, one of, um, one of our customers is, um, is like a project management suite of tools. So it's like, Similar to people will be using tools like um, people will be using tools like Asana, like Trello, things like that. One of those platforms, similar to them, that also has like invoicing and financing built in. Um, it has time tracking built in, like all of that kind of stuff. And what what we do for them to explain this point is like we'll make various three to four second repeating gifts about one specific subset. So one will be like an invoice coming up onto the screen and showing that you can create an invoice. And then the ad copy ties into the invoicing element. One will be something about time tracking and it will be just something really short that shows it's very clear within those three or four seconds that that's what this is. And when you see the copy that ties in as well. Um, with some of our other clients, the way that we're approaching this is instead of being feature specific, it's focused on the use cases for their product or for their solution. Mm. Um, what we're seeing work well is like stacking those into our remarketing ads. So having a number of different ads talking about the different features or the different uh, use cases and having like a fast paced GIF that ties into those. Like that's one creative that's working really well, like right the second right now across multiple clients. And um, we're also having within those remarketing campaigns, ads purely focused on getting someone to book a demo or getting right. someone to sign up. So it'll be like something like a, um, the, the copy actually within the creative itself will be about booking a demo and there'll be like what looks like a physical button which is like book a demo that will flash up or something like that like the, the more typical things that you would expect mm -hmm. like include those as well but try including some of these feature specific or use case specific like animations or if you don't have the team internally to do that even some static on those might be worth a try so that's one creative that's working well and would you target the same audience with multiple different ads like that, where it's literally feature stacked with use cases stacked with, so they see a stream? Yeah. yeah okay. So you also want to keep an eye on the frequency too. Cause right. like you, like one thing I see a mistake that I see sometimes is I'll jump into someone's ads account when they've been managing it themselves or had another agency managing it. And the frequency will be like 20 or 25 mm. for their, their <laughs> and like they'll have one or two creative and nothing else so that, that same person is seeing the same thing over and over again yep. like my recommendation is usually we we don't really want our frequency to go above five or six um but if we do there's a couple of reasons one will be we'll be testing different like different ads on them it's the time to switch out the ads or the other one will be honestly sometimes with some of our clients we've actually tested increasing the frequency and being more aggressive and actually seeing better results. But with some clients, we've seen lesser results. So that's something that you would need to check out and manage yourself. Um, but yeah, that would be for remarketing. And then for prospecting, like for completely cold audiences, there's a number of things that we're seeing work pretty well. But one that I'll share, I know it sounds like pretty self-explanatory, but I still don't see many SaaS or B2B companies doing this, is carousel ads are working really well too. Like going down the same kind of approach, focusing on like we usually do one carousel ad that's feature specific, 
one carousel ad that is use case specific and then one that's maybe like more general and then we'll test different variants of those whether it's different color palettes or whether it's different call to actions on them for example and um, but for a couple of our clients like last month the top performing ads were actually carousel ads from a prospecting perspective and mm. um, i think that might be because if it's engaging and if you can get someone to click through there's a lot more real estate that you can that you can like take up and it's like if someone's taking an action to click through and look through they're engaging with your ad more um because i would usually expect our like punchy 15 20 second video ads to perform best from a cold audience or at least getting people into our remarketing audiences but right. we've seen those carousel ads work really well so that would be another thing that I would recommend trying. And then one other tip that I'll give on this, if it's okay with you, Ian, is like, I'm, I'm seeing something that we try out every so often is instead of building an ad through ads manager, like we would do normally, we'll write a post on the company's like Facebook page, and but we'll do it in the style of an ad. So we'll treat it as though it's an ad and we'll post it on the page. And then the first thing that we'll do is like either ask their like um, their top user group to go and like take a look at it and maybe drop some comments on it, or we'll run like a very low budget campaign to drive some engagement onto that post. And then in our Facebook ads manager, in our prospecting campaign or in our remarketing campaign, you have the option where you can pull through a post through the post ID and we'll, we'll, pull, we'll use that post ID, pull it through and then run it as an ad. One of the negatives of that is that you don't then have the option to create like the Facebook ad, like call to action button or sub headline or something like that. But the benefit is um, the ad already has gathered a lot of social proof. And if someone has never heard of your brand before, they see your ad and they see like, even if it's just five people or like a couple of people commenting like, oh, I use this and I love this or whatever it might be, um, that can really help with the performance. And also another thing, this is slightly different, but another thing that we've seen sometimes, this is like a little bit more, you have to be a bit more calculated with this, but we've seen sometimes we'll run an ad purposely knowing that it's going to cause more people to engage with it because we then see that if people engage with the ad, Facebook sees more people engaging with it and often tends to push it more and we get better performance. So, um, one time, to be honest, we actually did this completely unintentionally. There was a tiny, tiny error in the um, in the creative itself. It was like it wasn't. You wouldn't even really call it a spelling error, but it was like one letter was capitalized when it shouldn't have been. But because it was like an I, you wouldn't have even noticed, kind of thing. But like a few people did notice and commented on it. And at first, our client was like, "Oh, maybe we should stop this." But then when we looked at the data it was like the top performing ad over the last like three months or something. So that's something that, that kind of strategy, I wouldn't like, don't go making spelling errors on purpose or whatever, but think about what can you do to make people want to actually engage with your, with your ad. And that post ID like idea is one that can potentially work out as well. This episode of Marketing Strategy Talks is sponsored by the leading B2B customer experience software on the market, Customer Gauge. 
Honest question here. So how many of you listening are involved in your customer experience in some way, shape, or form? Or as Customer Gauge likes to call it for B2B, the account experience. As marketers, I'm guessing you all play a role to some extent, whether it be helping to create the experience itself, making special marketing offers to promoters, or maybe even just collecting comments from the feedback program to use in your marketing collateral. And if the experience world is miles away from your marketing world, I would challenge you and say it probably shouldn't be. At every company I've worked for, the top converting source for marketing leads was, drum roll please, bup, 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 bup. that's right, customer referrals. Not only that, they closed faster and for more money. Pretty crazy, right? So Customer Gauge not only lets you identify the right customers or accounts to ask for these referrals, but it also gives marketers a bunch of amazing tools to hypercharge their marketing efforts, like review collection and automatic publication to review sites, in-app experience pop-ups, experience swap charts that let you identify which accounts are at risk of churn or maybe could use that special marketing offer. It's no secret by now that creating a remarkable experience for your accounts can hypercharge growth for many, many companies. If your company is leveraging account-based marketing and sales strategy and software, wouldn't it make sense to align those efforts with an account-based customer growth strategy? and software, we think so. That's exactly what Customer Gauge is. It's an account-based customer growth software specifically made from the bottom up for B2B experiences. So why don't you join companies like DHL, Anheuser-Busch, Heineken, uh, yeah, we get a good amount of free beer, I guess. Iron Mountain, one login, let me pick up these names here real quick. H&R Block, SuperOffice, and Sugar CRM, who are already leveraging the power of account experience to grow their accounts faster. You should too. Go to customerengage.com and check out account experience right now. You won't regret it. Let's uh the spelling error is the what we're gonna call the the drizzly uh strategy, right? <laughs> they had that viral email go out with all of the <laughs> that's still one of the funniest things that's happened in 2020. So uh that, that actually made me laugh out loud. Um but okay, so a couple things to unpack there. Uh so make I don't know if we were we would go out and say make mistakes on your ads, but I think your point of like do something that makes people engage with it, whether it be the grammar police or other people, that that's a really good point. And uh, the second one, or it was actually the first one, which is warm up your post, get social proof on it, and then push it out to a wider audience. Um, I've actually I worked at a company previously that leveraged that pretty successfully. Uh, they <laughs> they actually bought like very cheap likes and comments from like India for like. 200 bucks. And I don't think that's the move anymore. But your point of like getting, getting the right engagement on a post ahead of time, like through a user group or something like that is a very good strategy to warm that post up. And Facebook, thankfully does allow you to take that post add it into your ads manager and, and run ads on it that's already had the, the social proof on it. So that's a really good point that I think marketers should definitely take. Uh, yeah. Even yeah. just like you could take even like a $10 budget or like a $20 budget and run it against the audience of your current customers. Because in Facebook, you'll have an audience of people that have converted. That's right. And if you don't mind spending $10, it's, it's fine, it's nothing. And some of the, like you'll have some customers that will see it and will comment. Obviously you just wanna hope that they don't be like, hey, why am I seeing this ad or something? Um, but it's definitely something that's worth testing. It's not something that's making up like a big portion of the budget that we're, that we're spending, but it's something worth testing. And the other thing kind of on that point that's maybe a little bit more tactical even is within Facebook ads like manager. I don't know how I would explain this um, like without being visual, but I'll try my best. One thing that you can do is that when you're creating 
like when you're creating ads, you can replicate the same creative and the same ad across multiple ad sets or campaigns. Whilst if you use the same post, you can basically like publish the ad, take the post ID and pull it across all of your campaigns. Love so that. That a, no matter what campaign it's running on, if someone comments on it, that comment will be seen across all oh. of the campaigns that you're running. And it's kind of hard for me to explain exactly how to do that, but people can probably Google search it and, and figure that out. That's one thing that we've been doing that's like super tactical, that's actually working really well right now is meaning that like with some of our clients, all of the ads that are running, like pretty much all of them have good comments or engagement on them. And it's because they're just being that one or two variants of the creative are being pulled across the multiple campaigns that we run. So that's one tip as well. And that's a, that's a great point too. So I'm i I'm buddies and I used to work with the head of uh, paid acquisition at HubSpot and um, I've talked to him a couple of times and he basically uh, said the same thing is like, we have one ad that we run across and test multiple different ads against and it's still the champion ad and it has just a ton of built in social proof over, proof over the years of running it that it, it's just really, really hard to beat because it's it's so ingrained and people see the thousands of comments and likes on it. And it's just like, wow, this is something that I should check out. Um, so again, social proof for sure, for sure. Important on, on Facebook ads. All right. So I could listen to you talk about this stuff all day long. Uh, Facebook I'm super convinced is one of the best channels, if not the best channel for B2B SaaS to generate uh, leads, to generate demos, to generate close one business. And I think, there is a disconnect between, you know, what marketers are seeing and what executives are buying into from a, from a business strategy. I know there's like the Facebook boycotts going around now, which might make it more difficult for marketers uh, like myself to get buy-in for a strategy like that. But when you look at the dollars and cents of a Facebook versus a LinkedIn, um, what are you seeing? How is it different on Facebook versus LinkedIn? Um, we were just talking about this the other day that we wish the LinkedIn algorithm was, you know, one one hundredth as smart as the Facebook algorithm. Um, so I think you can probably, the listeners can probably guess where this is going, but um, let's dive into LinkedIn real quick. What are you seeing that's working there? What are some strategies that companies can uh, put in place to uh, generate some business? Yeah. So we do, we do advertise on LinkedIn as well to make that clear to everyone. Like it is still an important channel. However, like the reason I get so passionate about Facebook is for the exact same reason that you said, Ian, is like, it's so easy to drive volume at lower costs there. Um, But with, with LinkedIn, the challenge is that it's still very expensive as an advertising platform. Now, sometimes execs at companies are like, okay with that because their argument is that, Yes, it's expensive, but in theory, the lead quality should be better because of the marketing capabilities and the people that hang out here and all that kind of stuff. Honestly, I don't really see that across the accounts that we manage. Like sometimes it will be better, but there's like, how do you differentiate what's better in terms of quality, right? When, okay, maybe the quality of leads might be better on LinkedIn, but you can get three leads on Facebook or four leads on Facebook, or maybe even more the price of one lead on LinkedIn. And like, if two out of those four is good, then it's better than LinkedIn. Like that's, that's one of the challenging conversations that we have sometimes. But what we see working on LinkedIn um, is that very, very rarely do I see those campaigns that we talked about earlier um, that we do on Facebook where it's like, okay, you choose your target audience, you serve an ad to them, which is like a single image or a video. 
and you ask them to sign up or book a demo, very, very, very rarely do we see those working. Like sometimes they might get people to take an action and like, yes, you'll get people booking demos or signing up, but the costs can be like kind of out of control. Mm -hmm. um, so that would be one thing. Like what we see work on LinkedIn and what we use LinkedIn for is having it set up with remarketing, like using LinkedIn remarketing audiences is one thing, but LinkedIn, our approach is more focused on content. Um, and especially now you might have seen or anyone listening to this might have seen that very, very recently LinkedIn finally said that they're going to roll out the ability to retarget people based on how much of your video they've watched on LinkedIn ads. So that's one thing that we're going to be experimenting with a little bit because there wasn't that opportunity before. Um, but on LinkedIn, all we're really running is content led campaigns. So promoting eBooks, downloads and promoting videos that we've created of like and podcast clips or videos of clips of webinars, that kind of stuff. Um, and then how we do that from a, from an ebook or lead magnet perspective, we see the best results or the best cost per result um, through using the LinkedIn lead forms. So for example, we'll run an ad where it's an ebook ad. And if someone wants the ebook, they'll click on the ad and then a, a native form on LinkedIn will pop up. The thing that's great about the forms on LinkedIn is that it pre it can basically pre-fill all the data that you want it to, um, like company size, company name, LinkedIn profile, URL, all that kind of thing. So the experience for the user is literally, they click the button on the ad, they see the form, rarely do they have to type anything in, they click the button itself, and then they move forward. Um, and then you can add in things to that lead form if you want, and we can talk about that. And then we deliver them the ebook, like, there and then, and like we connect them up with our CRM system through what, whichever integration it is. And that's one thing for cheapest and like highest volume of downloads for, for eBooks and downloads, we use those LinkedIn lead forms. Um, something else that people could try, I, I'm not gonna say I have like tons of experience with this one, but I've done a couple of small tests with this and I've interviewed people on my podcast who have done larger tests with this. And that right now is, the um, LinkedIn conversational ad beta. Yep. Yep. So it's essentially like LinkedIn sponsored emails 2.0. Um, I've seen good results from the small tests that we've done and the people that I've spoken to have seen good results from those as well. It's essentially sending out a sponsored email to people, but it has a mini chatbot functionality built in. So you can pre-program responses and actions that you want people to take. So you could ask them pre-qualifying questions, for example, and then send them to your LinkedIn lead form, depending on like how they've answered those questions. And I've seen to give some numbers on those, like for example, I did a podcast interview with Jason Widdup, who's the VP of marketing, I think at Metadata. Mm -hmm. And he was driving, um, he was driving demos for, I think it was like 120 to $150 for a demo booking for the team there. And I know that he'd scaled that up to, it wasn't just like, five or six demos. I think last time I spoke to him, he was maybe doing like 30 or 40 a month at that kind of price. And then oh. um, Gabriel Lim, who's the founder at a company called Sales Whale, mm -hmm. uh, I had him on my show and he was doing something very similar for even lower costs. I think he was getting like 50 to $80 maybe for a demo booked. Um, so that's one thing that you could maybe experiment with. Um, and one of the other good things about those is with the sponsored emails or with the conversational ads is that it appears in someone's inbox and then they won't be able to receive another sponsored ad in their inbox from anyone for 30 days. So even if you, even if you hit them, you'll still, if they don't take an action, 
you'll live in their inbox for 30 days and they won't get another sponsored message. And wow. you have the option to add a small, it's like a tiny square. You can add like a cover image up there. So it can be pretty good for branding, like just sticking your logo up there or something with a CTA on it. And um, so that's one thing that you could maybe experiment with that I've seen a little bit of success with, but we haven't spent a ton on just to be clear. Go ahead. Kind of sounds like a gold rush, to be honest. So if they can't get uh, <laughs> sponsored emails for 30 days after one served to them, it seems like volumes to play to, uh, I, to get I market think, share. Yeah, I think that's why like some people are talking about it, but some aren't is because people are worried of like, okay, how how scalable is this? Because if you're targeting like, marketing leads or heads of marketing whatever and yeah. most companies are trying this then you're going to run out of volume so that's why it's one of the things that we haven't like tested too heavily either is because it's potentially not like the most scalable channel but yeah that's how we're looking at linkedin one other thing that we do look at linkedin for if the companies we're working with don't have a high volume of data or like don't have lots of information in their crm and we want to make facebook a success is we'll actually run some LinkedIn campaigns, driving a high volume of traffic from LinkedIn to our site. And through the like LinkedIn insight tag, we can essentially like use that to help us build out more intelligent audiences for Facebook. That takes a bit more time and a bit more volume of spend. But if you don't have any data in the back end and you really want to go like aggressive on paid ads, that's one other way that you can maybe experiment a little bit to build out good quality audiences for other social channels have you had any luck with like um targeting skills or job title things like that on linkedin i know that's not super available on facebook so that's yeah. kind of like one of those things that linkedin maybe does have over facebook as far as targeting is concerned yeah, anything so, there yeah it does have that like that's why i think that's why most people lean towards linkedin for b2b and saying hey we should go down this route because you can be so specific with the job title targeting the skills the interests um but it just comes to the the costing thing it's like okay yeah. we can targeting these people but the price is just so it's so high yeah. and like in within facebook once it figures out what your audience is that's converting like it really optimizes very well towards that and you can just constantly see volume and conversions come through whereas with linkedin like we struggle to get sometimes to the volume that we want for our clients and the cpl or the cost per lead or the cost per acquisition that we want um and it it just doesn't feel like a channel that we want to scale out too often when we can be taking that spend and focusing it on social or focusing it on Google, if it makes sense to do so. Yeah, makes I total sense. I would, love, I would love it to work more, but I think it's still just, it's still early days. So you can definitely see success there, yeah. 100%, but I would rather spend advertising dollars elsewhere and like have LinkedIn as like a channel that we have a presence on. Yeah, and I think... Speaking of presence, uh, so Hey Digital and yourself specifically, you have a really, really solid LinkedIn presence. So if anybody's listening to this, go check out Dylan Hay, his personal profile, check out Hey Digital, follow them. Um, he does a fantastic job rolling out content on a daily basis, but it's, it's super high quality too. So everything's branded. Like he said, those really hard hitting videos, he has that down to a science. I think better than anybody else I've seen, honestly, Dylan, um, not to throw a compliment your way, but um, I always know it's you. I always know that I'm going to watch it because it's super valuable. There's, you know, minute and a half, two minutes, sometimes three minutes worth of content in there. Uh, it's super digestible. But 
presence is super important, uh, specifically for like B2B companies these days. Anything you can give there as a, just a quick kind of one or two hit points uh, on that? Yeah, I would say take a look at, um, obviously most people listening to this will have checked out Drift and what they used to do and still do to some degree on mm -hmm. LinkedIn. Um, but then I would look at a company called Sweetfish Media, James Carberry. I know that you know him and his, yeah. like, they're doing. And then look at a company called Gravy, G-R-A-V-V-Y. They've like taken over LinkedIn over the last couple of yeah. weeks. Say. Yeah. Um, and so what I mean and what you'll see when you look into those is those companies are doing an awesome job of empowering their employees to be active from their personal profiles and build their own their own brands and that is having a big impact on like brand awareness and positioning for the business at the end of the line mm -hmm. um, drifted at drift were the first company that did this and now there's other people like experimenting those three that i mentioned would be the first three that i look at and like i'm building out my team is very small but i'm building out a program to be doing like something very very similar because like for us as a business every single deal that we've closed has been well, not every single one, I would say 95% of them has been through LinkedIn content that I post on my personal page. And then a couple of deals that we've closed from podcast guests and just friends I've made through that sphere. But like, I, we're, we're by no means a huge agency right now, but I've built us to a pretty successful point already with a small team with like no sales work whatsoever. And that's because of LinkedIn. And like, I see a really big opportunity scaling now. And I think B2B companies, software companies can be doing that too. And it's a win-win for everyone because you as a business, you receive more awareness, more authority. And for your employees, if you approach it in the right way with them, you're not just asking them to share loads of stuff about your company. You're empowering them to be active and build their brand and build their audience. And like when they, when they leave you, I know you don't want to think about that, but ultimately very rarely is someone going to stay with a company for like 40 or 50 years anymore. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. When, when they do, when that time comes and they do leave, they're going to be leaving you with something that's also really beneficial for them that they can take anywhere that they go. And that's a huge like play for them. Like that's how, that's how I set up this business. I built my personal brand when I was working at Lead Feeder. It was great for the company. We grew a lot and it was great for me. So if you can think about that and have those conversations in the right way with your team, that would be for me, the opportunity on LinkedIn, you can spend way less than you need to on like ads and you can empower your team to build their brands, to grow as individuals and see a significant uptick. And then when you're advertising, your job as an advertiser becomes easier when more people have buy-in to you, your brand and your team. It just makes everything else easier. So that would be my kind of advice around that. Yeah, great, great advice. Thanks for that. I, and I think um, those companies you called out are great, uh, spe uh, specifically James and Sweet. Fish Media, they're doing a great job getting all the podcast content out. Um, and, uh, and I agree, Gravy, uh, Gong's really good at it too. Um, but uh, there are companies that are investing in their employees like that and actually enabling them to do that at scale, which I think is, is a really interesting strategy. And you can already tell companies that are investing in it, it's paying off because they're top of mind. You know what they do, you know kind of what their software is capable of just through their employees, which that's kind of like the new generation of marketing, I think. Um, and companies that aren't doing that, I think are going to miss out on a pretty big piece of uh, marketing mindshare. So, all right, we're almost out of time here. And Dylan, uh, thank you so much. It's been 
Super, super uh, interesting to hear your take on Facebook and LinkedIn. Obviously, the last one we have on the list here is Google. Can we run through Google in five minutes or so? Just because I think Google is one of those things that's been around for a while. I think it's pretty much common knowledge what works and what doesn't. There's obviously a couple tricks here and there that I'm sure you'll enlighten us with. But um, what are your thoughts on Google? Yep. So um, similar to all the other platforms, the first thing you should be doing is setting up all of your remarketing campaigns. So that's through the display network and then through like remarketing search ads as well. Like just always have those set up at the very, very minimum. Yeah. Um, then the next most common kind of go-to route for most people is like targeting those high intent, low hanging fruit keywords. So through your keyword research and through your knowledge, you'll be able to figure out what those are. Um, I won't go into the specific tactics of like budget strategy and bidding and stuff like that. Cause I'll try and keep it to a, to a couple minutes, but like building those out makes a ton of sense. Um, where we're seeing really good success on Google specifically and some things that you can try, especially if you're wanting to drive more volume and traffic to your site as well, to then improve your remarketing audiences. You'll see that I have this habit of like, okay, how can we be building out better audiences for our social ads and how can we use other platforms to do that? Um, so one way that we do that right now is with the Google display network through um, using like the uh, essentially like in custom intent audiences within Google display, you can do hmm. things kind of similar to Facebook with some more tricks and, and tools. So you can go into Google and one thing that we'll do is upload a list of all of our customers users or um, all of their previous converters. We'll like use the Google analytics, like conversion of, okay, this person's converted and we'll say to Google, we want you to find people similar to these, like similar to converters is one campaign that works really well. So we'll set that up in the display network. And when you're doing display campaigns, there's a few things you have to be really careful of because they can kind of go out of control very easily and drive a lot of quality traffic. So one is make sure audience expansion is turned off for any of these campaigns. And they Google are making it harder and harder to find that setting. It like changes all the time. So just like Google search how to turn off audience expansion in Google display if you're running display campaigns right now, because I see that a lot of people leave that turned on. Go would ahead. You, would you consider that uh, general rule for all social channels, Facebook and LinkedIn, would you also turn that off? Yeah, always turn it off. Yeah, okay. they, they think it helps, but very rarely have I seen it yeah. work very well. So always have that switched off, um, especially in display. It's like super important because otherwise you'll start seeing like, thousands, hundreds of thousands of impressions sometimes, and you can be driving a load of traffic to the website. And if you drive really poor quality traffic to the website, it then ruins your pixel and your audiences. So be really careful with that. Mm. Make sure you have your location targeting set up in there as well. And make sure you set your exclusions. Like everyone has their own opinion on this, but you definitely don't want to be appearing on certain like political sites, especially given nature of the world right now. Um, very rarely do we see for SaaS and B2B businesses, there's no point running in like the app store or within games or something like that. Turn off like any adult content, like just when you're running these display campaigns, be, it seems like a lot of work, but just be really, really tight with them. And once you do that, the costs are like so, so low to drive traffic through to the site. And so one is those similar to previous converters or customers. Another one that we love to use is you can go in and you can plug in the URLs of your competitors' websites and say to Google, we want people similar to people who have been on these sites. So you can list in like 10 competitors or five competitors or whatever. Right. 
and be serving ads to people that Google classifies as similar as those. Yeah. Over time, we also like to experiment with, you can layer in different like demographic targeting or in-market audience targeting. So Google classifies, it will have people that it thinks are in the market for enterprise software as an option, people that are in the market for productivity software. Like there's thousands of options that Google has for in-market audiences and it takes that data by seeing what your behavior is like across the internet and categorizing it and then giving it to us advertisers. It's like kind of weird if you start looking into it, but like you can use that in your ads. So we use the display network a lot for driving traffic of good quality and building out our remarketing audiences. So that would be one thing that a lot of SaaS companies don't do and B2B companies don't do. So check that out. And then the other thing would be, this is more like an account structure thing. Um, but we're seeing good results right now with over the last few years, everyone was talking about this account structure of SCAG, which is single keyword ad groups. And um, with the way that Google has changed some of its, um, some of its like structures, we don't see that being the best performing ad structure right now. We use like, we call it a modified SCAG model where you keep to the single keyword ad groups, but you include all of the match types within one single ad group. So I know we said that we'll try and keep this to four or five minutes. So I think I'll, I'll cap there. But again, if anyone like wants to chat more about this with me, I'm also, I'm always happy to, to just answer any questions. If yeah, I appreciate that. So that's a really good summary. I, I also, uh, specifically, I love the target your competitors traffic. <laughs> that was a, it's a really good tip. Um, all right. So Dylan, it's been amazing. I think your knowledge on the subject is is pretty much unmatched. So thanks for taking the time. Um, let's do the lightning round to finish up. You good good with us? Yep, let's go. All right. So what's your favorite marketing book of all time? Yeah, that is a great question. For me, it's like this recent one from Drift. He's grabbing it out of his... Uh, his I'm so sorry. I thought it was going to be way faster. This <laughs> one scale. Yeah, I love it. Good one. Yeah. Good one. Um, all right. So if, if you could get uh, all of the marketers listening to take one thing away from this talk, what would it be? Try Facebook ads. There you go. I knew you'd say that. <laughs> all right. So uh, where can people find you? Give us a little bit of a, a snapshot about Hey Digital. Throw some yep. plugs out there. Yeah, yeah. So they can just go to heydigital.co, like .co. That's our website. We just relaunched that. So hopefully you'll enjoy that. Um, or the best place for me really is LinkedIn. Like I'm there active every single day. So if you search for Dylan Hay, I'll be probably the only Dylan Hay that you'll find and you'll find me pretty easily. So yeah, that, that's the best places to, to check me out. Nice. Thanks again for joining up on another uh, marketing strategy talk here, Dylan. It's been amazing. We'll, uh, we'll talk soon.